Flyers Daily with Jason Mertidis. All right, here we go. Brand new Flyers Daily for the 20th of January as the Flyers took on the Chicago Blackhawks last night. And something that hasn't happened in 26 years happened, but it has happened in a weird way. Flyers lose to the Blackhawks in the game last night at Wells Fargo Center. Just a team, they generated a decent amount of opportunities on uh, Peter Morazic. Ended up with 28 shots. They outshot Chicago in the game, 28-22. to The expected goals model, they actually had a higher expected goals model too, but it didn't seem that way to the eye in watching the game. It seemed like they were an emotionally flat team in the game to me. They lost 3-1. to They scored the opening goal of the game. Morgan Frost uh, picked up his 10th goal of the season with a real nice shot on a, kind of a scrambly three-on-two rush where he made a real nice play at the blue line then took the ice that was given to him and beat Morozik. Then in the second period, goals from uh, uh, Jonathan Taves and Reese Johnson gave the Chicago Blackhawks the 2-1 lead heading into the third and then just 35 seconds into the third, they built on it when Tyler Johnson uh, picked up the third goal of the game, his fifth of the season, and that put the Blackhawks up 3-1. Flyers unable to get any closer, and that was the final score in the game. Flyers never put Chicago on the power play, um, didn't take any penalties in the game, but had two power plays of their own, but were unable to cash in. So they go down against the Chicago Blackhawks, who, look at all of a sudden, Chicago has won five of their last six games. You go, Chicago, they came into the game with the basically the second-worst record in the NHL, and they've won five of six. Now, they've, kind of like the Flyers did, they, they beat up on some weaker opponents in the league, even though you go, well, there's nobody weaker than them, unless you're maybe talking about Anaheim. But in the five of the six wins, they beat Arizona. They beat Calgary. It's a good team. Uh, they beat... The Colorado Avalanche, who have been scuffling so far this year, but we know them to be a pretty pretty good team. Um, they lost to Seattle. Uh, they beat Buffalo in overtime, and then they beat the Flyers last night. So they're a team that's playing a little bit better right now, um, and they took advantage of the Flyers being a little emotionally flat. I think the Flyers have had a pretty topsy-turvy week from Monday's game in the afternoon against the best team in the league in Boston and losing that game 6 to nothing than to getting the win on Tuesday, but all of the uh, plot and storyline that surrounded it and all of the conversation surrounding it, it's a heavy day. It's a heavy couple of days, and they look to me like a team that didn't have a lot of emotion. And really the only reason I think we can judge that fairly is because about 98% of this season, they've played with a lot of emotion. So I thought you could almost feel it and see it was missing tonight. And um, they're a team that... You know, they need to play on emotion. They don't have just that unreal skill that's going to go over the boards and just make things happen because they're so skilled. They have to play off their emotion. And I thought that they lacked it in the game last night against the Chicago Blackhawks. And it stands to reason. Uh, it doesn't make it any more fun when you lose because you're, maybe your emotion tank is dry. But that is the case. As far as what hasn't happened in 26 years, streaks in the NHL are calculated by regular season. So by NHL standards, that's the first game the Blackhawks have won at the Wells Fargo Center in 26 years, since 1996, if you can believe it. Now, the problem with that is, is we all know, because we lived it and we saw it, we couldn't believe we saw it. We didn't know we saw it right away, 
but the Blackhawks did win another very important game on that Wells Fargo center ice. wasn't called that at the time. And, of course, it was game six and the Patrick Kane overtime goal, which ended the Flyers' 2010 Stanley Cup run. So uh, that was another loss, but still 26 years between regular season losses uh, against the Chicago Blackhawks at the center. We'll just call it that, whether it was core states or whatever, the iterations of First Union, different names throughout the years. But uh, the Flyers go down against the Blackhawks, and they'll be back at it coming up on Saturday. They'll head to Detroit to take on the Detroit Red Wings, who are one point behind the Flyers in the standings, overall standings. And then Sunday, they'll get uh, a very good team tied for the top spot in the Central. That is the Winnipeg Jets. Now, Chicago's interesting. Brian Smith brought up something interesting on the pregame show. And he said, or maybe it was the first intermission. He said, when you look at this Chicago roster, you know, it's not one of those rosters you look at and go, like, who are these guys? You don't know anybody. Now, there's some names on there you obviously know, like Taves, like Kane, you know, some some guys that have been around a while. You know, Max Domi. Um, there's some other guys, Seth Jones on the blue line. Peter Morazic, he was here in Philly. Tyler Johnson won a couple of cups uh, with the Tampa Bay Lightning. And But, you know, there's some other guys. There's some decent players on this Chicago team. So why are, has their record been so bad this year? And my thought on that is this. When the Chicago Blackhawks organization before the season and in the offseason, traded away a 24-year-old Alex Dabrinkit and Kirby Doc, I think is 21 years of age. They signaled to their fans, hey, we're trying to put ourselves in a position to rebuild this thing completely around the next generational superstar, and we're going to try and draft as high as we can and draft Connor Bedard. And look, they may end up getting Connor Bedard. We'll see. They got a number one overall pick in Patrick Kane, and it paid dividends for them. And they were able to build a great team with Taves, Kane, Keith, Seabrook, Hosa, on down the line. And but so when the, the organization does that and it signals that to not only the fans, it signals it to all the players that, hey, they're not really interested in winning this year. Sometimes you don't have to say we're tanking. Your actions say you're tanking. And the players, look, I think they have some pretty good players here. I think their record should be better overall. I think they won four of their first, like, 26 games of the season. And Max Domi is leading them in scoring with 30 points. And you look at all that, is it the players know that winning's not really demanded this year and that there's not going to be, you know, a cry if they lose? People aren't going to be outraged because the organization has signaled to everyone that they want to put themselves in a position of being as bad as they can this year so that they can try and get that top overall pick. I mean, because it doesn't make much sense to me to trade a 24-year-old 40-goal scorer in Alex Dabrinkit unless you want to make the argument that, well, after one more year, after next year, he's going to be a UFA and you're going to have to pay him big money. Okay, I, I can maybe buy into that a little bit. Um, but Kirby Doc, 21 years of age, another good player. Wouldn't you want to keep some guys so that even if you draft at the top of that draft, he's whoever you draft is coming in and going to have some good players around him, guys that are pretty young too, like Dabrinkit and Doc? I don't understand you know, why they did that other than to say is it's an overt strategy to, to get bad. So 
the players see that, and they know that accountability is not going to be there when it comes to winning and losing hockey games. And I think that that's why they are where they are. And I think that's part of the problem. You can't just flip a switch and say, okay, accountability to win is back on. Turn on the switch. Because we've seen teams that have done that. Buffalo. We've seen Edmonton, who had four and then five number one overall picks. They kept getting number one overall picks. But the reason why they haven't been able to really do anything pronounced since getting those top talent and top picks in the draft is because you can't just wash away that standard of we go out and we play hard, we go out to win, we go out and treat the game with integrity. Some people may go, integrity, schmeggerty. Give me Connor Bedard. I understand. He's a dynamic player. And some people I see on social media, social media saying, well, we haven't seen a draft like this. Well, we did. We saw this in 2015 with Connor McDavid, and he's won a couple rounds of the playoffs. But they're a team that they could end up missing out on the playoffs this year, and they've had several number one overall picks. But I just something I thought of when I really kind of dove into this, the Chicago Blackhawks roster. And I'm not overvaluing Kane and Taves at this point in their career. Kane's been banged up. Obviously, Taves is not the player he was, although, you know, he's got 12 goals and 13 assists and 25 points in 41 games. There's some chatter that he could end up in Winnipeg or uh, that Kane could end up several places, including maybe the New York Rangers. We'll see. Uh, Both are on expiring deals, and those two have played over 1,000 games together as teammates. Rare for a player to play 1,000 games within an organization uh, these days, let alone two guys playing over a 1,000 games together. Um, So perhaps the last time we'll see Taves and Kane on the Wells Fargo Center ice, A, together, and B, with a Chicago Blackhawks jersey on. And certainly many of us still scarred from that Game 6 overtime goal that Patrick Kane scored in 2010. I remember sitting there after that game happened at Wells Fargo Center, and I got done my post-game duties, and I walked out from the tunnel by the Flyers bench and just went and sat on their bench and watched them skate around with the cup. I watched it for about over an hour. And people go, why would you do that? First of all, it's the cup. And second of all, just seeing the reaction to the cup with all the players and their families. I mean, guys, when I left there after 1 a.m., everybody, half the guys were still in their equipment, most of their equipment. And, you know, families skating around on the ice and it was something that I'll probably, you know, never get to see again it, from the standpoint of seeing an opponent skating around on, on the home ice in Wells Fargo Center. I hope to see the Flyers doing it on their home ice someday. Um, not saying that can't happen. Got a long way to go to get there. But I thought it was an intriguing moment to take in. So I took it in, and I'm glad that I did. And, uh, you know, just seeing the effect that that cup has on people is simply amazing. So um, it was an interesting experience, to say the least. And if that is the end of uh, Taves and Kane in Philadelphia as Blackhawks players, best of luck to them going forward. Both are certainly great players. Kane, one of the best all-American players of all time. So um, best of luck to those guys going forward, unless, of course, they cross paths against the Flyers in some form uh, at some point later in their career. Um, Also, John Tortorella, let's get to him. He addressed the media after the game. Uh, Let's get his thoughts on what he saw out there and 
why the team ended up losing uh, to the Chicago Blackhawks. So here's the head coach, John Tortorella. You guys had the puck quite a lot in this game. You created enough chances. Was the story for you just the breakdowns defensively? Yeah, I, I, I thought across the board we were, uh, you know, we developed some at the end, but I just thought we looked flat and disjointed. Uh, I don't think we played with enough energy. It was just, you could tell right from the start of the game, it was just, it was right on through. It was one of those games. We pushed in the third period. Um, tough to, two to one. Still think you have an opportunity going into the third and to get scored on your first shift. Uh, it's one of those games. Where, you know, I, I didn't like much about it at all. Is the what? The lack of energy, that disjointedness, why you decided to switch things around a bit. Yes. We've talked a little bit about the, the brutal schedule you guys are in the midst of. If the problem tonight was the energy, how do you guys go about getting it back despite the fact the game just keep coming? Yeah, it's part, it's part of the game. You, you've got to handle it. I, I, uh, I, I think it's the, uh, the mental tiredness that we have to fight. I, I think that's the first thing that goes is... And I thought we were flat mentally. We weren't quick. Uh, they checked going forward. Uh, we just weren't anticipating. Um, you know, so we're, we're not going to skate tomorrow. We got to figure out way, some way to get energy because we just don't have a break uh, right until the end of uh, of this uh, this upcoming six, seven, eight days. So uh, part of the game, we got to figure it out and get ready for our next game. Shots. What did you make of the quality of those shots in the scoring? Chance? Yeah, some were good. You know, there there were some quality chances. I thought their goalie played well. Uh, you know, I don't think we get, we only gave up I think 13, 14 chances. Uh, we didn't really give up much either. But it just we just never. Uh, I just never felt comfortable in the game, as far as uh, uh, the amount of forechecking we needed to do. Third period we had it there. Uh, we, we spent a lot of time in their end zone, but it, it, it just was not a game uh, that I felt we had control of at all. Even when it was one nothing, I, I didn't feel we were in control at all. Were there a few too many turnovers for your liking? Uh, we'll give them some credit too. They checked. Uh, they, they, I thought they, uh, they, they were quicker than we were, and, and I think that, that brings into some solid checking. So, um, you know, tips turnover, it's just a gimme. Uh, it, it, that one hurts because they tie it up one one on the on the tip. We've we've still got to try to find our game. I just don't think we're it's an easy breakout. We turn it over. It's in our net, uh, and then we're climbing uphill, and we never get back into it. You feel like you watched a little bit too much defensively. Which that? Did you did you think you guys watched a little bit too much defensively? A lot of their offense comes off of turnips and uh, uh, delay plays and late people coming. Uh, I thought at times we were really good in the middle of the ice. Other times it hit the late guy, but really not a, a, a ton of scoring chances. It, it wasn't like they buried us in scoring chances. It was only 13 or 14 they have. Uh, but, you know, they score three, empty net of four. Uh, we're not going to win many games, one nothing. Do you get that, that year, um, the, the shortened season with, with the pandemic, um, when the schedule was brutal, did, did you take any lessons from that of how to, to get 
players' energy back despite the, the rapid-fire games? Yeah, no, I, I don't even remember back then. You know, I really don't. Uh, uh, but I am... I think that's one of the biggest jobs of, of a coaching staff is is finding time for them to 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 get them away. You know, you I've told you guys. You know how I feel about the the pregame skates, all that stuff. Uh, when you start getting into the grind of the season, that's what this is. After the holidays, and, and you, you start getting into January, February, uh, it's important you find some some time. We're gonna we won't practice until after the break. Uh, I've already have it scheduled. We're not practicing at all. Uh, we'll, we'll have a pregame skate just for a few minutes to move the blood, but there won't be any practice. That's the only thing we can do. And, uh, you, know, you know, let's say Max scores the, the second goal. He, he walks in. Maybe that gives you energy. You know, sometimes you manufacture energy in the game. We didn't do that tonight. Kind of speaking to the disjointedness we talked about, you guys were able to get behind their defense quite a bit. Was it just a bit of maybe some overpassing, kind of missing that a bit that also just didn't yeah, help I don't, I don't think we were buying the D that much until the third period. And then I think it was too late. We give up a goal in the, uh, the first shift of the third period. Uh, we spent a lot of time in there. But I, I just don't think the first and second period we did enough forechecking. Uh, I think we have to realize that uh, I think sometimes it gets good to you when you start scoring off the rush and you start scoring some goals like we have. Uh, you forget about what, what it is for us. We're, we're a four-checking team, and I think we forgot that a little bit tonight. When we got to the third period, we knew we had a push. We were down there. Need to happen in the first and second. There he is, head coach John Tortorella addressing the media after the Flyers' 3-1 loss against the Chicago Blackhawks. Flyers' busy weekend flying out today to Detroit, taking on the Red Wings tomorrow, and then Sunday it'll be the Winnipeg Jets at Wells Fargo Center for a Sunday evening game. So everybody, thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll talk to you tomorrow. We'll preview Flyers Red Wings on a brand new edition of Flyers Daily.